Bonafide. This is Jorge and Jared. And today we're going to talk about what is American identity. America is not a country. It is a concept, once I said. Dr. Mitrell defined the constellation of ideals in America as basically being individualism, liberty, equality, hard work, and the rule of law. And today we have, a, as usual, an anecdote for a friend Jared to talk a little bit more about the Menica identity. Jared, take us there. Thank you, Jorge. Today, uh, today I am sitting here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. This is a, although you've, you've probably never heard of this town, it is massively expanding. Uh, it's a part of the South. We're seeing P uh, Walmart and other large companies move into the area. And the South uh, overall is growing at faster rates than other parts of the country. And this, this fact and just living in a new spot, uh, as I've mentioned in a previous episode, I'm from the North Midwest. I've learned a few things about this beautiful and large country of America. Not that I haven't traveled before. I love you know, seeing new places in this country. And I think every state truly has its own uh, subculture and specific identity. And I think that's really what makes America shine. It's the fact that we are not the United States of America, United States, and it's plural. So keep that in mind throughout this episode. I think it's an important point. So to delve into our personal anecdote here, Jorge visited me right when I moved here in August. Uh, he's a good That's friend, right. visited me for my birthday. Thanks, Jorge. Yeah, we have a few drinks too, the normal. Just the normal amount. Absolutely. Definitely a good town. So Jorge, Wait. before I, before I kick off my story, you tell me what were your main things that that you you've discovered moving here to this uh, or or visiting the south here what uh, my question here is what did you find about the south that you really liked and what were things that were strange or less desirable for you so the time that you're in the people is really friendly and it's very entrepreneurial and i think we have this bad label of of the South, like they tend to be a little bit lazy or not as productive as the people in the North or in the Midwest are. Uh, at the same time, everyone was very friendly, but it's different than other Souths. Like Florida South is different. Like people from Louisiana are totally different. Uh, I feel like in Arkansas, they were definitely more entrepreneurial. Uh, a lot of, I find a lot of people be very religious, but at the same time, open-minded. So I find that quite interesting. Uh, in my experience, I find that people that are religious tend to be very close-minded about meeting other kind of people or going to other cultures. I think that the town has a really, really diverse uh, population and everyone contributes a little bit to it. Uh, when I was there, I, we went to a little kombucha store that was kind of a small business and they were combining alcohol with kombucha. And one of the owners was talking to us about how she's running that business 
and she's running another one and they open through the middle of the pandemic and they will never like to work for somebody else. Sorry, they like to have this entrepreneurial lifestyle. And basically my point here is like, don't be afraid to go first. And second, everyone is really friendly and everyone really welcomes you and you can tell your story and everyone talks to you in the bars, in the restaurant. I feel a lot like when I was in Wisconsin too. People tend to be a little bit friendly um, in the same way. So definitely Fairfield, Arkansas is way more diverse than any other towns in the South that I've been, but a great experience overall and great music too. Why don't you tell the audience, uh, I don't, if in case they don't remember where you're from and, uh, and your perspective. Absolutely. Born and raised in Ecuador, guys. I was born in a small city, Guayaquil. I came to Chicago uh, about nine years ago, almost 10. Lived in Chicago here since then. Uh, study economics and math. That's where we met Jared in the university. Uh, we've been traveling together since then all over the United States. We always kind of take vacations together. He came back home with me. We went to Louisiana. We went in Wisconsin, camping to the Great Lakes and so on. So basically, I've been in a few places. I have a few jobs that allow me to travel and work. So I've been in a few great cities. And to be honest, the place that I feel more myself is the South. Is this is the place that I feel more close to home? By the same point and time, I feel like it's different. But the people and the culture tends to be very similar to where I grew up from. Jared, you had something to add? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point, Jorge. I would say that moving to the south, you really get into touch with what Americana is. You know, the concept of Americana and there is truly an authentic culture here that's very American, traditional. But where I'm currently located in northwest Arkansas, it's nuanced. It has it, it's a magnet to people throughout Arkansas and some and Texas and some parts of the south where people might be less open-minded. And they gravitate to this location because it's, um, for them, it has a an identity that they, they they have an experience here that they hold as a part of their identity. And one of the, the things I want to argue today is that different states have different cultures, different personality profiles in general. Not to say that everybody from a state is a certain way but there are definitely trends that can describe how a state uh, acts and what's, you know, what their culture is based off of. And really it shouldn't be that surprising to anybody because really look at the United, the United States and the history of the United States. Every state has its own unique immigrants that founded the culture of the United States. And being an American doesn't really prescribe what it means to live. Sure, we, we have 4th of July, we have Christmas, New Year's, holidays as such. 
but it doesn't really, it's not an all encompassing uh, society. You know, if you think about one of our previous episodes, we talked about French, the French paradox and French culture, where there's more of a prescriptive notion of what it means to be in that culture. In the United States, it's more up to interpretation of the individual. Uh, and this is also laid out in our founding documents in the Constitution uh, and the states. Uh, the states are generally meant to be the, the pinnacle of what it means to be America. Uh, and unfortunately, I think some of our divisions in this country result from our inability to respect other states do a certain way, do things a certain way, and that we should be uh, providing governmental uh, authority to the federal government, which in a country of 325 plus million people uh, is frankly just dangerous. And it's not aligned with each region or state's specific goals, the subcultures, what really works for every citizen of America. There's no way for anybody to truly uh, govern 320 million people. Uh, it's hard enough having a small institution, a small business, and managing the drama of just simple human interactions. Totally. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think you're on to a point there. I mean, we were just talking about a group project, and there's only six people, and it's hard enough. So I'm not saying we should have you know, a different governmental authorities of six people across the country. I'm just saying, is 320 million the right number? So to, to back to back up a little bit, I was going to share an anecdote. And this was when Jorge visited me down here the first week, um, not the first week, this was around my birthday, around August 23rd. And one thing, like Jorge came, like, First thing you do when you fly into this area is you have these windy roads and they're very thin and it's beautiful, <laughs> right? And you have these, these like, I don't know if you can call them mountains or bluffs, but somewhere in between, but definitely not hills, definitely not flatland. It's, it's pretty beautiful and the roads are windy and there's a lot of, uh, topography, diversity, if you can say that, you're just, you're going up and down, you're going, you're going left, you're going right, you're just swerving around, you're seeing uh, cattle, seeing these, um, these houses that are extremely luxurious. That old new construction, old new construction. Absolutely. So you see a lot of wealth, uh, but you also see the remnants of this very poor agricultural society. And one thing that when I moved here, I wanted to learn a little bit about Southern culture. And I picked up this book called Black Rednecks and White Liberals. This is a book by Thomas Sowell. This is like an African-American uh, economist, historian. Uh, and his basic argument uh, really sums down to, I mean, he talks, he has, several different essays within the book. But what we'll focus on here is, is some of the beginning parts of the book um, where he talks about this, the history of the South, uh, the cracker culture of slavery 
and also the impact on kind of the ghetto culture in the United States and how they're all connected. So it's a very interesting and prolific book um, from Thomas Sowell. And what he says is that the history of the South stems down to a few uh, main groups that settled here. The Welsh, the Highland Scots, the Ulster Scots, and the Border English. This was, think of like if you watch Game of Thrones, the people uh, across the the wall, the north, the northern wall. Uh, it's been a while since I watched it, so I'm hoping I'm saying that correctly. Uh, but we, we'll just call them North Britons, and they emigrated to the south from basically a lawless border region uh, in the 18th century. So this was a place that the Crown of England was not able to control, and one could really call this barbarian because like the bar, the history, like the history of the word barbarian really stems down to who is not a Roman to the Romans or who's not part of your culture. I know Jorge calls me barbarian sometimes because of my German barbarian roots. Uh, and I always kind of chuckle about it because it's true. I am a barbarian at some point, just like we all are at some point. Because barbarian just means a different tribe. Yeah. Uh, the British used to be called barbarians by the Chinese. Until they took Hong Kong, they demanded that they shouldn't be called barbarians anymore to the emperor of China, which I find quite funny. Nice. Uh, I like that, Jorge. But, but keep going. Keep going. Yeah. So I just remember when Jorge got here, we were just driving around and these curvy roads. And I thought, you know, why not? Why not take Jorge to the back roads, and let's let's really let's get out there a little bit. Let's get to a place that's authentically Arkansas. So we drive to this place called Hawksbill Crag or Whitaker Point, uh, and this place, let me tell you, it's gorgeous. It was a hot August day probably 90 degrees and we were walking and hiking um, playing tennis uh, but when we were driving to this spot we saw we, we we took the wrong like a wrong direction like Jorge isn't the best co-pilot but you know none of us are perfect and we go down this long uh, bare, like not paved think not gravel, but think like someone just took like a, a small uh, tractor. Yeah, like it's just a, a terrible. Th- think of the work of a really bad sculptor. Like I mean, think of all the best sculptures you've seen, and think of someone who it was their first day sculpting. This was the road, you know. We're just like going up this this mountain. It's, I mean, I drive a Mazda, so I'm pretty well set. Uh, but it's not a Jeep and we're driving up and it's, it's probably about 20 minutes in this back road. There's no reception for the past hour after taking a wrong turn. And we went on this huge detour. At this point, we haven't seen a gas station in at least an hour. 
So we're in the middle of nowhere without reception. We're out there. And then, you know, I'm just driving up and I see this guy in a tractor. And I just kind of give him a good wave and he kind of stares me down like, where are you boys coming from? He didn't say hi back. He was, and I'm like, okay, this is not the Midwest. Usually you give like a, a courteous wave. So I'm like, okay, this is like, this is different. We keep going up this mountain until we get to our point and we're just, we're walking and everybody on the trail is super friendly. And it made me think, how interesting this guy in the tractor was so uh, unfriendly, you could say. You could say he could have like a very in-group mentality or, you know, obviously I was driving with different state plates. He had a tractor. I gave him a good obvious wave, but, and we kind of had to shift our car around him because the road was really one lane. So it made me think, you know, these, this is a whole different culture. This is the subculture. We're in the mountains. These are mountain folk. The mountain folk people tend to be, uh, tend to have an in-group mentality. So they have uh, a strong community. Uh, this is a dry county, so there's no bars. And it's entirely a different vision of America that I was used to coming from northern Wisconsin, where there's, you know, let's be honest, there's more bars than there probably should be. But, you know, if you're if you're inclined, it's not so bad. But coming here, I'm like, okay, well, it made me think a little bit about those folks we met on the trail, the friendly people, and this person living in the mountains, probably uh, a little skeptical of, of myself coming from a faraway place. And it made me think about what does where I come from, how does that connect to America and how does what where they come from connect to America. And we're almost like, we're still middle country, right? We're not even out in the, the coasts. Like that's a whole different world coming from the middle parts of, of the country. So what I mean to say here is that we should expect that this country as Americans uh, is different. And we should also ask the question, like what is the history of each of these regions, how is it different? Why do we have a country that's so large? And are we really able to, like the story between this guy and myself isn't really a, a great story if you're really thinking about differences. Uh, it was what maybe someone who's kind of woke would say like a microaggression. But what I what I mean to point out here is that in the Midwest, we come from a very agreeable standpoint. If you look at, uh, and I'd encourage you to look this up because I find it interesting, uh, they have personality dimensions by state. So this is basically uh, a study that was done. It's called the Theory of Emergence, Persistence, and Expression of Geographic Variation in Psychological Characteristics uh, in the perspectives of psychological science. 
you can just find this on Wikipedia as well. But it gives you uh, the five-factor personality model. So think of the personality profiler, the five, uh, the big five: extroversion, agreeableness, conscientiousness, neuroticism, and openness to experience. Uh, extroversion being like. Are you sociable? Do you get energy from social experience? Or do you tend to be more salute, like solitudinous? Do you like to spend time alone? Agreeableness is basically your comfort with conflict and your initial reaction to new people. Are you trusting? Are you initially uh, very open to other people's uh or maybe not open, but are you agree? Like, do you well have? Done. Are you friendly? Go ahead, Ori. No, I think you had a great point there, and thank you for sharing that. Uh, also, I think the place you are born or the place you grew up kind of shape you. The geography shape you. Like Winston Churchill used to say, "We shape the cities, and then they shape us." In a way, how you build the city or the environment you're in help you to define yourself. And immigration patterns matter. You know, Wisconsin was pretty much German all the time. So how they develop businesses is way different than how they develop business in Arkansas or how they develop business in Louisiana and so on. I do think like the immigration patterns and the culture you bring to these new state cities communities you are into it you're definitely going to change the way how you think and the norms and how you see america as a whole as well you know the italian american communities at some point they were so much different than how they are now and definitely they americanize a little bit more by generation through generation to the point that it's part of the culture as well you know every single american knows italian food and they know something great about Italy. But little by little, is the same happens with Mexicans, that they were here. And the Mexican food is so natural in the United States that I, can, I cannot think about America without thinking of Mexican food as well. And it's a lot of culture that kind of like comes together and it stays together in America. It's kind of like a fusion of different ideas, places, how people develop, do business, and so on, that they come together here and evolve is something different. You know, they call it the power of diversification, diversity, and so on. But all of that does not matter is we don't have a common goal. And that's something that it seems to be a little bit loose nowadays in terms of like how the American identity or what being American means. And I don't know if you want to add something to that, Jared. Jorge, that was very articulate. Thank you for sharing. I do. I, I, I definitely agree with what Jorge is talking about. I think to finalize those last three uh, personality profilers, there's also conscientiousness, which is in, uh, industriousness and orderliness. Neuroticism is uh, the negative experience that you feel. And openness to experience is your ability to take, you know, to see things more open-minded and to desire seeking out novel activities here. So one thing that like 
that Jorge mentioned is that we talked about the Germans in Wisconsin. Like I think Wisconsin and North Dakota, uh, or both Dakotas, are some of the most German states. And what's interesting about the North Midwest is that these states score very highly in extroversion. Like they're very friendly. You know, think of like, hey, how are you? Tell your folks I says hi, you know, which was a common thing that people would say up there. Uh, agreeableness kind of goes in with extroversion, but it's kind of like your, uh, you know, people up north, they tend to prefer behaviors that are agreeable. So like the Germans tend not to seek out conflict, uh, politics and other, the other industries, they tend to be more satisfied with a more simpler life, serving a craft, um, and doing their job well. That's, um, and that agreeableness, in my opinion, is based on the cold climate. Uh, if you are fundamentally in a cold climate and you have to struggle to survive, you can't burn bridges. If you burn bridges, it could mean your life. You know, what if you don't have enough food? you're Norwegian or German or something, you need to depend on others to survive. So you need to create close communities. And I think that's why a lot of the Northern uh, countries in Europe, for example, have uh, less corruption and a more robust democratic republic or monarchy or constitutional monarchy than the Latin countries who tend to be more corrupt. Uh, I personally like Latin countries for their friendliness and food and everything else, but I will say that they don't run government as well and they're not as efficient. And I think that stems down to that accountability and that reliance on the community. Conscientiousness in this region uh, is higher. However, there is really no easy predictor of conscientiousness in the United States. It kind of it really depends. And uh, neuroticism tends to be higher in the South and the Northeast, Northeast per se. Obviously, anyone who has a friend from New York knows that they, uh, you probably hated them at first until you realize that they're hilarious because that negative or that neuroticism, that willingness to confront the negative uh, emotions instills in you an ability to kind of uh, have a humor, like a dark humor or, uh, you know, there are benefits of being neurotic. You know, if you're too low on neuroticism, you might not be cognizant of what is really driving you and encouraging you to live your best life. And openness experience tends to be highest in the coasts and very low in the North Midwest uh, and the middle part of the country, as you can see by some of the policies of those countries. Also, it makes sense that port port cities specifically and coastal regions, they're always in contact with new cultures, right? Like think of... Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like if you're in a larger city, you're going to have more openness to experience because it, you have to. Your next door neighbor 
and and Jorge and I know this from our experience in Chicago, just living in a place where you'd walk down the street, you'd see uh, some Hasidic Jews, some Muslims, a couple Koreans, a Swedish guy, a couple Honduran women. It's a it's a global place. So, Jorge, why don't you just share a little of your thoughts about uh, Chicago and how how you view America from a city perspective versus like what you've seen in like those uh, those regions that are, let's say, more uh, yeah. authentically American. Absolutely. So definitely, I think like geography and culture matters, immigration patterns matters, and where you came from and your education matters. And in big cities as Chicago, it all depends where you are. There are different neighborhoods that we draw up to center and kind of people. So Javed and I, we used to live in a neighborhood that it was super diverse. We had people from, I think, 50 nationalities, something like that. It was one of the most diverse neighborhoods in the city. But the food was amazing. And it and you can see different trends with people going to school, how they dress and so on, which you, it was very inter, very interesting because everyone was kind of like mixing. Everyone was absorbing the ideas of each other. And I think that's a big point of university, right? The name university came from be universal. So you take universal ideas and put it together in one place and they're supposed to be discussed and talk or thought as well. And my experience in the big city, which is still I am, is amazing. I mean, I love it. I can walk everywhere, sit some, sit everywhere, or eat something, and start talking to somebody about how the day is going and so on. And everyone we had different experience. Everyone we had different stories. I you can chief you can see that 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 kind of culture chief politics and chief how people thinks. And they become a little bit more open-minded, acceptant, uh, and very willing to try new things. Not only food, but also to go out and meet people that they're not very accustomed to. Or go and date somebody that they would never think they would date. Or find attractive something that they never find attractive before. Uh, I think it's a, definitely a great experience that everyone should experience at some point. And there's, of course, people that don't want to live in a big city and you don't have to, but at least experience for a, a month or two. And I think you're going to have something changing on you. And if you don't want to do something in a place like United States, you can go somewhere else and experience that. But try to go to somewhere else in big cities and you will see how people shrunk to there and how everyone start to mix in a little bit. The only definition, the only differentiator, sorry, in America is like America doesn't have like a strong cultural identity. They have strong values. But in other places, you're going to find a strong cultural identity. Like Italy, France, Portugal, you go to Kenya, you go to China, you will find those. In the United States, you'll find strong values. That would be my take out in my experience in big cities and United States all over. Absolutely. And just to share another story, because the reason why Jorge and I met was because I spent uh, 
some time down in Chicago and going to school and looking back at why I went to school in Chicago, most people where I'm from went to school in state, but I, I was open to experience and I did have a desire to learn about new cultures. And that's something like I loved about Chicago a lot. But one thing that I didn't like as much, especially this last one of these last visits last year during kind of the co- the peak of the COVID times. I just saw how uh, my state acted during a COVID environment and, you know, any sort of crisis is going to build. Uh, it's it's going to reveal, uh, or, or let's say it's it'll be a stress test for your your country as a whole to see like what's working, what's not. And for me, this was a stress test of the American identity. And I found more and more that every state had its own response and. It was difficult to reconcile the differences between how it was in Chicago versus what I was used to. At at home, I was used to just going to the bar, no mask. Even even last summer uh, or into the fall, uh, it wasn't taken seriously where I was at least. And coming to the to Chicago. And seeing from what I perceived as an overreaction, but if someone came to where I'm from, they would probably perceive as an underreaction. I was, uh, to be honest, emotionally uh, affected. Yeah, I hate. Yeah, affected. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least what I, how I was thinking about it was affected. I mean, the, the way that the waiter stood uh, so far away. And that we had to put the mask on uh, when the waiter came to the table while we were eating. Uh, so those things I, I just saw unreasonable, considering we were in an open door environment. Um, and that was one of the main uh, memories that I remember of like, okay, maybe I need to think about where I really want to live. Because I want to live somewhere new. And I like, I'd like to live in a place that's more open-minded. I mean, Wisconsin's awesome in many ways, but it's not an open-minded state. Uh, For example, there's still no medical or recreational cannabis, which, you know, in almost every other state exists uh, at this point, even in Arkansas, which you wouldn't expect. uh, There's a, a medical marijuana program. So there is something about the city and where I was from in the Midwest that, that I wanted to venture out and explore. And so the South was an interesting venture. I mean, it was a, it was an opportunity that presented itself, but I found it was interesting looking at some of these trends, like look at, uh, this is just uh, one single case study, but look at how Joe Rogan, um, a very influential podcaster and comedian was moved to Texas uh, and a place that I visited earlier this year on a few month tour of the country. And looking at it, I saw, I met tons of people from California, 
Uh, there are so many comedians that you could just go to the park on a Wednesday and they would have open mic night at the park. So uh, they would have like a, uh, like a speaker, some speakers. You'd show up with a Lone Star beer and you just listen to some comedy. It's an excellent experience. Interesting. But we're in a time in the United States where identities are changing. People are literally moving to try to find a place and a community that better suits their lifestyle and how they view themselves, their identity. And this is all an example of how the United States is changing from a, you know, think of the Reagan years or in the past before social media, before like the ability to understand what other people who have similar ideas of you than you, uh, as you, those people have ideas that spread like wildfire. And so the tipping point to mention kind of Malcolm Gladwell's book, uh, starts with a few people, but the amplification of these voices is more than we'd ever heard before. You know, it's, we're not just listening to Walter Cronkite with the whole family in any given house. Let's say you have three siblings. Let's say your oldest sister, you know, is listening to her YouTube videos and being reinforced in those ideas with those algorithms. And your older brother is spending a lot of time on Overwatch or Fortnite and talking to Pete or and spending a lot of time, um, you know, with those people. And let's say you're you're really interested in in um, libertarian politics, so you want to move up to New Hampshire to to form the Free State Project movement. We have the technology nowadays where the neighbors around us don't even have a, have as much similarity as someone potentially across the world. And this is increasingly, as generations uh, develop, that's increasingly the case. So what I'm trying to, my point here, or the question I want to ask is, what does it mean to be American anymore? In a country that, as Jorge mentioned, doesn't really have a core identity, but it's based on an idea. What happens when the ideas that influence people are no longer passed down from your parents' generation, from your great-grandparents? Let's say the American ideal. Let's say the ideas you have are passed down based on your cultural influences, notably the way that algorithms and and the YouTube videos that you're watching, and let's let's be completely let's strongman this argument. They're only providing what you want to watch. At the end of the day, you you still have the freedom to search, but with the way that these AI systems manipulate the search data, it's not just giving you what you're what you want to or what you're what's the most objective information that you, that you could hear about a subject, it's actually basing that data off of everything you've seen before, off of your other social media platforms, the groups that you follow on Facebook, the pages you follow on Instagram, the people you associate and what pages they watch, and any sort of uh, 
content that you that the like let's just say that they're listening to your camera i don't like who knows at the end of the day i think we've all seen an ad here and there that's like wow you understand me very well so if these uh if technology is able to reinforce the ideas that make us believe in the things that we are and identify in the communities that we identify with and how we see the tribe, let's say, that we belong to, is the American ideal sustainable or are we a late stage empire uh, based on the idea that the ideas that are supposed to be the social cohesion, the glue that holds us together is starting to decay? Let me hear your thoughts on this. No, that, that's a totally fair conclusion. Um, I do think that identity politics has a bad influence in the country. Pretty much, it comes, it becomes to the time that they associate the Republican Party with being mostly white, Christian, and self-identified conservative, and the Democratic Party being non-white, non-Christian and non-cell-identified liberals. However, I do think that we still have these common core values that can put us together and move forward. And that's a truly American identity. I, I, can, I can see now that sometimes that core value is being attacked or being labeled as delusional or maybe not according to the times and sometimes even racist. But as we lose that core value, that identity of self-enterprise, self-entrepreneur, have the core of the law as basically our Bible and the equity and pursuit of freedom that this is the foundation of the country as values, we're never going to face any issues as a nation, as a whole. That would be my uptake on this. I can see a lot of division nowadays. But at the same time, as new wave of immigrants are coming and new cultures are pretty much mixing with the current one and the identity of America, we're going to keep evolving. Right? Like you like to say, the only constant in America is change. Well said, Jorge. Very well said. I would, I would ask the question, though. So the, the entire idea of America... I understand that that is not, you know, it can't be the normal trend. But if we really understand, even if you're, uh, you find an opportunity in this country that has a fair salary and a good living, we have to understand where we sit in this world. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't improve our healthcare industry. And our educational industry, which I think we'll be following up with in later episodes. But it's something to think about as we're really introspecting about what it means to be American. And lastly, I think we should really consider that just because someone is from a different part of the country, we're all, we really are all Americans. And just because I think that we should start to rethink the American model by decentralizing power and bringing 
our governmental structure closer to our communities where we have greater responsibility and a sense of giving to our community and having it actually beneficial. Like when we pay taxes to the federal government, do we really expect anything in return? You know, Sometimes. Like a Norwegian, a, a French, you know, they'll say, oh, we get free health care. We get free, um, you know, education or, or these sorts of things. But at the end of the day, that's taxpayer funded. What is failed to be recognized is that almost half or more of our budget from a federal perspective is towards the military. So are we truly a republic that's based on freedom and based on providing individuals and states, the United States of America, each state, the prerogative to run the state as they do and to give back to their, to their citizens and to have control over your political system. And by having such a strong federal government, are we losing our sense of American identity? I'd like us to explore one last question here. With these population shifts around the country towards the Sun Belt in the South, for example, some of the Southern states, including Texas, Florida, Arizona, South Carolina, Georgia and Arizona have increased their population by 10% in the last decade. Why are people moving? And shouldn't we as a country understand that it's okay for us to form smaller communities and to live in a governmental structure and a community and have an identity that's more specific to our unique desires and inclinations as a society. Can we really live in a country of 320 million people when information technologies are diffused and we're able to identify equally across all of our all of our states based on the based on specific ideas? And why don't we reinvigorate the idea that we as a nation should respect the freedoms of every other American and understand that other people should be able to live the life that they want in their pursuit of happiness. With that note, Jorge, why don't you I agree with Jerry in the point that final remarks. we have to respect each other's choices and way of living. Uh, my background and what I'm used to is more a centralized government and that's something I'm very used to it. And I think the founding fathers wanted America to be a decentralized government running by the states. And that's something that is not happening nowadays, unfortunately. However, I do think that America tends to run things more efficiently. I, they tend to, at least in paper, is a federalist nation. But the power of a centralist government keeps increasing and increasing, prohibiting the people to make single choices in their own states and having their own regulations and laws.
And that's something that is against their will and is unconstitutional. And we have to keep an eye on it. As different states develop differently, Illinois is not going to be the same as California. Texas is not the same as Wisconsin and go on. But we're still a single nation. 